Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for this Sabbath day. We thank Thee for the beautiful sunshine and the wonderful springtime weather. We thank Thee, Lord, for the privilege of gathering. We know, Lord, that in 1 Timothy, the second chapter, we read that we are commanded and exhorted to pray for kings and those in authority. And we pray, Lord, at this time for our government. We pray for our president. We pray for all those in authority. We pray that they might have wisdom. We pray for safety, in particular for our Supreme Court justices. Lord, we pray for safety in houses of worship in this day, knowing, Lord, that we live in a very difficult time, but yet we are children of hope, children of light, and we look to thee. We look to the hills from whence cometh our help. And now, Lord, in this day, we're so thankful that our country has set aside a day that we should count the blessing of the mothers and the women in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that in this day thou mightest speak to us. Lord, give us insight from thy scriptures. Help us, Lord, to see perhaps this day in a bit of a different light. And Lord, as we leave this place, we pray that we might have actions that will take place in our hearts and in our minds and in our hands and our feet, that we might be different for having been here. Lord, be with those that can't be with us, Brother Dan and Sister Maria, Aunt Laney, others, Lord, that escape me at this time. Lord, bless each one of them. Brother Helga and Sister Uli, who are home as also home today, bless them. And all those, Lord, wherever thy truth is spoken. And now, Lord, we thank thee and we praise thee in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Dear ones, I will be uh, turning to Exodus chapter 2 in just a moment. This, my thoughts for today actually began last Sunday afternoon. I knew that I would be assigned to having Mother's Day. And last Sunday afternoon, Brother Peter did an amazing job of helping us understand a little bit better the life that his father had, Brother Fritz. And I, there were, I don't know if I was the only, I'm sure I wasn't the only one. I think there were a lot of tears in people's eyes last Sunday afternoon. And I mean that in a good way because we were able to be touched by the spirit, by the faithfulness of Brother Fritz and the heartache that he went through. But what really struck me, and I knew many of those things, some I did not know, but what struck me was his description of Sister Erna and Aunt Jenny. I don't know if you remember, but if you were here, he said that his mother, Sister Erna, fell in love with Fritz's children before she fell in love with Fritz. Aunt Erna came to this country from Switzerland because to, to help out, to be a nanny, I think, in her family, perhaps in Connecticut. But her sister... Aunt Marie Stinsey lived in Syracuse and said, won't you come and help? Come help with the kids? Well, she did, just not her kids. She fell in love with two little children that had lost their mother. And what I loved was the part that Brother Peter said that he was in his early teens when he finally realized that his mom wasn't their biological mom. Well, that had to be the way Aunt Erna treated them and connected with them. 
And then how Aunt Ginny became a mother without ever bearing a child. She became a mother three times. Who better to understand how to raise orphan children than to be an orphan? Mothers are amazing. And to be a mother doesn't mean that you had to bear a child. I'm thinking also at this moment of a mother in our congregation that is, was the first person, well, not really the first person, but was very responsible or very influential in us having this building, and that was Sister Anna Nuroth, who had no children. But when, her, when she passed away, the proceeds of the sale of her house was to go for a building fund. She said for the church, uh, for a new church for our children, and she had none. I'd like to read from Exodus chapter 2 to begin. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro fathers. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong spot here. That's chapter 3. Chapter 2, and there went a man from the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw that he was God, a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took, from the, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed on it slime with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walking along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent unto her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his, his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse? Let me reread that again because I had the emphasis on the wrong spot. Then said his sister, the baby sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go, and the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. I'd like to conclude with verse 10. So we see, dear ones, in this scripture reading, Moses' mom, Jochebeth, Jochebed, had a child. She wasn't allowed to have a child. All of, those chi all of those children were commanded to be slain by Pharaoh. But here was a mother that gave birth to a son. And she was so resourceful. She said, there has to be something that I can do. This child is a good, this is a good child. 
This child is, was born for a purpose. Some mission. God created this child within my womb. How can I protect? How can I preserve this child? And imagine the mother taking the child and putting him in a basket and sending him off into the Nile. Now, Miriam was following. And we read that, that Pharaoh's sister came down to, work, to, to wash herself in the Nile and she sees the basket Sends her maidens out, and inside the basket is a baby. And isn't it amazing that, that Miriam, and I'm sure Miriam was instructed by her mom to offer a nurse. So Jochebed nursed her own son and then gave him to Pharaoh's household. She cared more for the son than she did for her own well-being. He was part of her, and he would live on. She, and she knew that he needed to live on. He had a purpose. He had a reason for being. Dear ones, where would the Israelites be if she hadn't put Moses in the basket? Think about the impact of one soul Wow. Think about that. We could go, the, the, the scriptures are full of examples of amazing women. Let's go to Hannah. Hannah was loved by her husband. He was, she was his favorite. He cared for her. He gave her everything that she could want. He gave her the better part of everything that he had. But she was barren. And she went to God and she begged. She begged for a son. She was so overcome in her, in her communications with the Lord that Eli thought she was drunken. And she had to say, I'm not drunken. I'm praying for a son. And Samuel was born. And this mother that desired a child more than anything else in the, in the world as soon as the child was old enough, could be weaned, gave him back to the Lord. And she would come once a year to bring him new clothes. But she gave up her son. What was the role of Samuel? Where would the Israelites be without Samuel? Samuel anointed David. Samuel had the hard conversations with King Saul. Samuel was the spiritual leader of Israel for decades. The power, the influence of one. And he was able to live out his calling because of his faithful mother. I wonder what she taught him in those years prior to when he was given to Eli. Because we know that Eli was not that good of a parent. We know that because of Eli's sons. But Samuel was different. Why was he different? Why was Samuel so different? Because of Hannah. 
How about Mary, the mother of Jesus? Think about that, dear ones. Think about this. We are, you're finally to a point, and I would imagine, especially in this era, when Mary would have been probably in her mid-teens, she's engaged to be married. Life is so exciting when you're engaged to be married. She would have someone who would be able to provide for her. Back then, that was critical. So they're probably planning for the wedding and all of these things are taking place and an angel appears to her and says, Mary, you're going to get pregnant. You're going to be an unwed mother. And she, all she says is, wait, 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 you know, Gabriel, how can this be? She didn't even know who he was. How can this be, seeing that I have never, I, I don't know, I've never known a man? The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and that child that you will bring, bring forth will be the Son of the Most High? Yeah, that's, that sounds really great for us 2,000 plus years later. We kind of know the story. She doesn't. Do you remember what she said? Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Do you remember what she was told when she went into the temple with the baby? That her heart would be pierced with many sorrows. Yes, Jesus was the son of God, but he was the son of Mary. Mary was the one that washed his face and his hands. Mary was the one that wrapped up his wounds when he fell and skinned his knee. Mary was the one that comforted him when he had nightmares at night as a child. Mary was the one that watched him die. How much of who Jesus was was the result of Mary's connection with him. Yes, he was the son of God. I realize that. But his humanity was Mary. And she was so much a part of his character. I'd like to now turn to Timothy. Second Timothy. I'd like to read the first seven verses in Second Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ... By the will of God, according to the promises, promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in, in thee also. Wherefore I put them in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
We don't read anything about Timothy's father other than that he was a Greek. But his grandmother and his mother are identified by Paul when he says, how I see in you this pure faith that I first saw in your grandma and now I see in you and, and in your mother and now I see in you. Wow. It wasn't some rabbi. It wasn't some other teacher. It was mom and grandma that taught Timothy to have faith. That's amazing. And not only is it, in, it's what makes it so amazing was that there would have been this Greek influence into Timothy's life from his father. But no, mom and grandma had a more powerful impact on the life of Timothy than anyone else to the point that Paul would have to call it out as he begins this second letter to Timothy. Now, why would he do that? If we, if we look at the, Timothy was young, and Timothy was, was, was very young, and Timothy was, was probably ridiculed by, for his youth, and, and, and I think Timothy, um, Timothy's behavior profile was such that he, he didn't have a lot of confidence in himself. I think he lacked self-esteem and self-confidence. And Paul had to say, I see in you, young man, what I saw in them first. Exercise that faith. Live it out. There's another reference here. And I, you know, I, think, I think all of us should read Proverbs 31. I'm not going to. Read Proverbs 31 from verse 10 on. And all of a sudden, you're going to... Husbands, please read Proverbs 31 from 10 on. And you're going to realize how blessed you are to have a godly wife. But here's a verse that I have read and never, ever really thought about. Romans 16, verse 13. We're getting toward the end of the book of Romans. And verse 13, Paul says this to the church in Rome. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Let me read that again. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. What is he saying? He's saying that, the, that Rufus's mom was like a spiritual mother to him. He's referring to Rufus's mom as his mom. Wow. Again, this woman, whoever she was, we don't know her name, but she was worth being called out by the Apostle Paul for the impact that she had in his life as one who cared for him as a mother would. Now, I know, dear ones, that, you know, we, there are those in society today that would like to tell us that the Bible has women as a sub, as women are beneath men. Nothing could be farther from the truth. The Bible elevates women. The Bible tells us exactly the role that women play in, 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 in life and in the world. And, and so I, the way I looked at it, I, I, I kind of made a note here for myself. I said, I, <clears throat> do you remember when, when I was going through the, the statement of faith and we talked about the Trinity and we talked about the Trinity being equal but different? 
the three aspects of the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they're equal but different. Husbands and wives, men and women, are equal but different. No less value in a woman than a man. If anything, I would say almost greater value in terms of the impact that they have on the future. But scripturally, women are equal but different. Different in what ways? I, and I, and I, I, I also made a couple notes here. I was, as I was thinking about this yesterday, I thought about the fact that, that God helps us understand him as we look at the family. Let me explain. The aspect of, so why did God create this amazing relationship between a husband and a wife? Because he wanted us to understand the aspect of his character, which is one of pursuing someone. God pursues us the way a husband should pursue his wife. Selfless, giving, needing, desiring a relationship with. So part of God, that pursuing nature of God, that, that wooing nature of God, that winning nature of God is seen between the husband and the wife. And then the, the creation aspect of God, God being able to create, we see that when husband and wife come together and children are born. Think about this, dear ones, we, those of us that are blessed to be parents, we become tools in God's hands to create the future. Where is the next Moses? Where is the next Samuel? I may have the story a little bit wrong, but if I'm not mistaken, when my brother was born, my dad is at the hospital, Mansfield General Hospital, and he's staring in the nursery. Now, parents today are going to be shocked to know that even when I was born, babies went to a nursery and stayed in the nursery. They didn't stay in mom's room. But back then, certainly they didn't stay in mom's room. And while my dad is staring and looking at the baby, Uncle Jim's grandpa, Brother Tony Betts, comes and is looking at the baby. And my dad makes some comment like, what kind of a world did we bring this child into? And I think Uncle Tony said something like, to the effect of, well, what impact will this child have on the world that you brought him into? That's a different way of looking at it. Mothers, we don't see it as much today, but mothers historically took great risk to bring children into the world. I'm listening to a book. Um, that's 40 hours long. That's why I'm listening to it, not reading it, because they wouldn't have the strength to hold up the book. It's my second time going through the book. Um, the book is Team of Rivals. It's about Abraham Lincoln's cabinet. Salmon P. Chase, who, was, uh, who ended up being on the Supreme Court, um, governor of Ohio, senator from Ohio, lost three wives. Three when he had little children. Talk about heartbreak. Uh, Edward, Edwin Stanton, um, Secretary of War under Lincoln, lost his wife with little children. 
My mother was told to not have any more kids. That was before I was born. Where would I be if she would have listened to the doctor? Dear ones, do we understand the impact of mothers? The family. God gives us the family so that we can understand the, the, the connection piece of God, the, inter, the, the desire for, for communion, for relationship. All of these things come, all of these aspects of God, we are able to understand because of the families that we're blessed with, that we wouldn't have without a mom. Now, I I want to remind us, because I know that there are those whose wombs are sealed. That doesn't mean they aren't moms. Look at Aunt Jenny. Sister Anna Nuroff. Those are just two that come to mind. Because there is this nature that is given, there's this giftedness that comes to women to know how to nurture, to know how to care for, to know how to... Give softer answers. To be so tenacious. To not give up. If it were up to men, men, men give up very quickly. Women don't. They just continue to plug on and work and, 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 and stay faithful. to you know, they, I, I, Yesterday as I was driving, I was listening to a podcast where people were calling in to just leave some kind of a testimony about their mother. And more than once, I had tears in my eyes as I was driving, running my errands. This one person called and said, my mother was widowed with six children. Six children, little children, father's gone. And he said, my mother never once went to the government for help. He said there were times when I would come home from school and furniture was missing because she sold it to pay bills. Wow. Think about that. I, know another, I heard another one where, where this woman, uh, it, was, it was actually a different podcast. It was earlier in the week I heard this one where this, this grandmother said, um, I had a good job. But the Lord said, no, you need to quit your job. You need to stay home with your kids. And you need to teach them my ways. So I think she got, she ended up with a lesser paying job at different times of the day, whatever it was. And one of the things that she did with her children, every morning before they went to school, they had to read a scripture with her. And she would take a scripture that would have the promises of God in it. Or perhaps, so for instance, in this one where where Paul is talking about Timothy, she would put the children's names in. I cease to, daily I pray for you, Sandra, realizing that someday the Lord will bring about. So she literally prayed scripture into her children's lives by reciting it with them in the morning with their names inserted. And the person interviewing said, do you regret? She goes, oh. 
Now her grandchildren are in faith. And a neighbor girl was also being interviewed who said, I used to love to come to that house because in that house there was the Spirit of God. Moms do those things. Who were the women, dear ones, in your life that touched you the most? Think about it. And some, some are only blessed with a mother for a very short period of time. This one woman said, I was, uh, she was nine, I believe, when her mother passed away. And her mother and father adopted her when she was two. But those seven years with a mom changed who this woman was. So who are the women in your life that touched you? Who are the women in your life that made such a difference? Can you, if they're still around, tell them. Send them a message. Send them a card. Call them up. Paul had no problem. One of the things I love about Paul is, now we know that Paul was a very direct person. He was a high, high dominance behavior profile. He said it like it was. But there was something that Paul learned, because it's not natural for his behavior profile to be like this. Paul complimented people publicly. He did, he, just read through, the, through these letters. He will call out people publicly to identify the blessings that they were in his life or in the life of the church. We need to do more of that. That's not being proud. That's honoring someone. This morning as I was milling around in the kitchen preparing breakfast, I was thinking about, so who were some of these women that weren't even related to me? And all of a sudden I remembered junior youth group at Aunt Sophie's apartment. And only the girls were allowed to sit on the chairs that were upholstered because their skirts wouldn't allow the lasagna to get on the upholstered chair. Right, ladies? The guys had to sit on wooden chairs. But why would this widowed lady have preteens to her house for dinner? And it was always lasagna. And then we sewed cancer pads. Sheets with gauze and we said, and we loved it. We looked forward to it. Um, you, know, I, I'm, you know, I'm looking at B and, and Debbie and Evelyn. Remember the, the elevator in there with like that gate that kind of was like, whoa, what a, it's, it's, the, the elevator's an antique. But that was only one thing Aunt Sophie did. Aunt Sophie taught the oldest Sunday school class for years. And I didn't know until I was older and we spent a couple summers, uh, a few weeks in the apartment above the garage that Aunt Sophie wrote the lessons herself. She had a notebook. And I remember walking in one time and she was working. I said, Aunt Sophie, what are you doing? I'm working on the lesson for Sunday's Sunday school. She wrote the lessons herself. And any student that ever finished Aunt Sophie's class does not have trouble finding the books of the Bible because she grilled us on where they were in a nice way. So, dear ones, today, let's thank God first 
for the mothers in our lives. Those that have gone on before, my mother-in-law, taken way too soon. But if somebody would say, what do you remember most about Muti? Her smile, her laugh, stories about shoes, that she liked shoes and she would have shoes that she could wear in public, but they probably weren't that comfortable, so she'd change her shoes when she got somewhere. But the wisdom, talk about Titus. What, Titus, in, we, we just studied Titus, and it said that Titus was told by Paul, and have the aged women teach the younger how to love their husbands. Advice that my mother-in-law gave my wife when we first got married. If you have a disagreement with your husband, don't tell me. I don't want to know about it. Because you will forgive him, and I'll remember. That's wisdom. That was mutti. We've all had the muttis. We've all had the grandmas. We've all had the mothers. They may not have given birth to us, but they were used by God to help us be shaped. And you'll remember things like sitting on mom's lap in a rocking chair. How wonderful that felt. May the Lord add his blessing to these words.